0: Empire of the Sun. Suns.
1: Empire of the Suns.
0: Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire
1: of the Suns.
0: Hello there and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kelly Olson. joined. As always by Kevin Zimmerman. Hey. Do you get sleep? Not really. How about you? You not have really. the child.
1: I don't have the child. I didn't get sleep and the child's not... The child's on vacation in
0: oh, California, so... No. So you're really, really just like wasting. fumbling the bag right now <laughs> with the time you should be sleeping and you're not sleeping? Yeah. Oh boy. Fun. All right, we, we will try and bring the energy despite that and move on to kind of putting a bow on... The preseason and just I I think this is like a season preview, but it's but it's not. And if that makes a little bit of sense, I'm (laughs) going to try and expand further by saying we're going to kind of set the picture for what to watch for over the next couple of days. We're recording this on Thursday at 114. We could have Cam Johnson sign his extension in the middle of this podcast. We could have Jay Crowder or Landry Shamit or Dario Sarge get traded in the middle of this podcast. Those are a couple of things we're going to talk about in a bit. And then we're going to end on the back half, just kind of looking at the preseason. If you are looking, we're going to get into this a bit. But if you're looking for like a season preview type of thing, we're going to p- record again before Wednesday's opener. But we have been repeating the same stuff for four or five <laughs> months at this point, And you and I did a back and forth in the words version. So. Hopefully you are literate, <laughs> because well, we're not if you're not, be, then we're not you're not in the be, right place. We're <laughs> not going to be speaking to you. Uh, you can read it. It's a very abridged version of what we've talked about the last five months in terms of hey, a lot of weird stuff is going on. This team has championship expectations. Where are they at right now? We both kind of discuss. Hey, we think the team's going to be pretty great in the regular season still, but once the playoffs come, uh oh, who could they trade for? It feels like they need to make a trade or two. We'll get into a bit of that here when going through some of these sections. But again. It's typical like the week before the season, week of the season to do a season preview stuff. Usually what happens is, Kevin, teams do a lot of stuff in the off season, and then you preview the new team. But it's kind of the same team. So we don't But it's really, also not. But it's also not. And, yeah. and it's a lot of little wrinkles that we've talked about a lot already. So instead of repeating ourselves, we'll kind of, again, paint the picture for the next week. The Suns have 14 roster spots right now out of 15 traditional ones. They have two two-way spots, which are both filled already by Dwayne Washington Jr. and Ish Wainwright. That one roster spot is one that the Suns kept open, I believe, until Bismack Biombo got signed back in January. They typically like to keep it open uh, for flexibility and, and just that type of thing. The Suns do not have Jay Crowder with the team right now. Landry Shaman is out with a left hip strain that was one of those things that just kind of came in on the injury report. We didn't really get to talk about money about it. Talk to money about it during that whole um, timeline. He described it as day to day for him. Campaign is dealing with a right finger sprain. It's a right thumb sprain for Cam Johnson. Both of those happened in the same game. We talked about that a bit before. Um, Those seem like day to day things, but it also seems like just watching them. Cam is only dribbling with his left hand and using his left hand right now. And then Cam Johnson had a brace on a couple of days ago. The brace is off now and he just kind of has a wrap thingy on his thumb. He's still not shooting with that hand yet. And I I know like you're trying to keep him off of it as much as possible, but it would have to be a pretty extensive ramp up for those guys in a week for them to be ready for opening night. It's not me speculating to say they won't be ready for opening night, but I'm more saying there's a chance they could be. There's a chance they could be out. And then Dario Sarge is away from the team right now due to a personal family matter. Uh, and uh, I believe Monty said it he should be back for opening night in that regard. So with all of that in mind, they do have this 15th roster spot and they have three training camp invites around. They waived Frank Jackson, but then in that same process, they signed Adonis Arms and Sabian, Sabian Lee. Both of those guys are going to be practice bodies for them until Monday on On 2 p.m. Um, is when the roster deadline is. And both of them were around in case they needed extra guys for last night's game because they rested their four healthy starters and they only had 10 guys available. And two of those were just signed on Tuesday. Sabian Lee did play a little bit. Adonis Arms did not. Uh, but both of them are around and hey, look, maybe if they really show something out here over the next couple of days, they could earn that 15th spot. But I but I highly doubt it. Timothy Luau Cabro is the really interesting one because they are short a wing right now and they have a couple of injuries right now. And who knows if they're ready for opening night? That's where you sign TLC, who, in my opinion, watching the preseason, he's been fine. It seems like he's blending in. He kind of already in a shoot-around on Wednesday, he was already out of the new players running through the sets after shoot-around or practice group, and he was just shooting with Mikel and Torrey. Um, So I don't know if he's going to earn that 15th spot or not, but it's kind of a no-brainer to me until... And this is going to become a repetitive theme of what we're going to talk about here in the next 10 minutes. You look at the ownership situation currently and you wonder, okay, are they in a position where they can sign a guy for a couple hundred thousand dollars or whatever it would wind up being and then cut him in a month when they want to have the roster spot back or whatever? I don't know, but it just really makes sense to fill it with him until you get to that wrinkle, which is going to be a lot of again, going back to uh, I don't know. But do you? Do you think it makes sense to have that spot filled? And it could be someone who got waived. Mo Harkless got waived. We're, yeah. we're keeping an eye out on other guys. Got waived. Jamari Bouye Hive took a hit today. though he waived him, but we'll get into Dwayne Washington. They're two similar players for me to even caper Jamari Bouye as much <laughs> as I caper Jamari Bouye in all aspects of life. I'm so sorry, uh, this is not. It's okay, you know. Dante Hive, we'll, we'll see. Big year in Golden State. Riller Hive, really struggling a bit. Reeves Hive, thriving. He might be the third best player on the, the Lakers. Donnis Arms Hive, where's that Hive? He had the, the Hive stats. is in a good spot because a lot of Texas Tech people reacted to my post on it, and it seems like he was adored by them, and he only spent a year there, and that's usually a really great sign that you've got at least a great kid. Where was he at? Winthrop? His Winthrop numbers actually are like, oh, this guy does a lot of stuff played at... I I believe it was him that played at Mesa Community College, right? And not not Sabian Lee. I'm mixing the both of them up. Yeah, he went MCC, Winthrop, then Texas Tech. He did. He did indeed. What do you think about the 15th spot? Doesn't it even matter? Am I making this a thing when it's not a thing? I think you just need a body.
1: Did you mention Jay Crowder's not playing for the team? You probably
0: did. Not with them.
1: At the start?
0: Yeah. So, I don't know. Do you even (laughs) want to spend two minutes on the... Can they recon- reconcile with him? That's what the radio shows has been talking about a lot. I don't even see it. I think it's too far gone. Toothpaste no, can't you go back in the tube. You admit it, and you move on.
1: Yeah, no, we don't need to spend two minutes. I'm done. I'm done here talking about it.
0: I'm glad you're making a stand. <laughs> you don't have any thoughts on, on TLC or anyone like that 15th roster spot? No, you I- should just fill it with the body, obviously.
1: Yeah, I mean, if it's him or Harkless, like... Harkless is redundant with Tory Craig. Um TLC has played a lot of NBA basketball relative to what el whatever else is out there. Um and is a I think blending in is a good way to describe his game, unfortunately. Like nothing really pops, but like you throw him out there, he's doing the right thing usually. Um but yeah, it's tough. It's like You might have to replace a midseason when kind of the roster composition changes for either trade reasons or injuries or whatever. So, I I don't know if Robert Sarver owning the team had to do with how they've managed that roster and left things open. But I guess it does matter that... Did they even have two two two-way guys to start last year? I don't even... Think they had? They might have had one.
0: No, I don't know. I'm who trying it was. to keep my brain from exploding. to yeah. go back in the rolodex. Ish was obviously one. Was he started the season? Why is my brain
1: not work? Anyway. It doesn't matter. We're they not equipped acquit- not- for that, as we said at the top. Of the episode.
0: we're not equipped for that.
1: <laughs> Going back in the memory banks, not happening. But the mm. point is, they have not used the two-way spots in the past, and they are this year. So at least that's promising. And just by a ne- bodies count situation, they're better, um, or at least where they were if
0: you compared to last year. Because say Cam misses opening night, Tory Craig. Twists his ankle on opening night and now you've just got pretty much no wings you know like it's Mikel play Mikel and that's it Dario it happens to be
1: back that's, you yeah, go jumbo and yeah wing is a good idea
0: though yeah T- TLC just makes too much sense for me to come in and at least be this the standby body and again in preseason he's just looked like he f- flows through the rotation certain guys have certain guys have have it and uh, he does Cam Johnson's extension deadline is on October 17th. That is Monday. Kevin, Uh, can you remember how this works exactly? Is it on Monday it's over or is it at the end of Monday? It's over. I don't know. I think it's at the end of Monday. It's over by the end of of business hours. However, they yeah. phrase Get it. That I don't into know the league office so they can go home in a normal time. The Internet machine has informed me. I wrote a story in mid-May about how they should extend Cam Johnson. We talked about this a lot on the podcast back then. I have no recollection of this at all. What <laughs> I can tell you is that Cam Johnson is a very good basketball player, and I understand the difference between a good basketball player and a very good basketball player. He's a very good basketball player, and I think that he has continued to show signs that, hey, I'm not just 3 and D guy. I, I'm just a really good basketball player, and even some of his stuff on the ball, just a little hints of can he be a bit of a scorer as well, and I think that he's proven that when he was a starter last year averaging over 16 points per game or whatever it was, and I just think that it's a no-brainer for him to come back and there's no reason to wait, really. This is where I again mentioned the ownership situation. I don't know if that matters or not. It feels like it It kind of has to in a way, not in the fact that they don't have the money around, but just that you're now again, Kevin, we, we talk about a, I talked about this last episode or two episodes ago. We talk about something so much that once it goes, once it goes away for a while in the, in the discourse, you just kind of move on from it. Mm hmm. We talked about at length the tax implications of signing both DeAndre and Cam to extensions and Mikel. We're still there. We're still around for this. Now, DeAndre's this uncertainty around DeAndre, of course, and the ownership situation, because if they just get Bezos or a Balmer-esque owner who's like, (laughs) screw it, you know what? Sign all those extensions and trade for guys who teams don't want to give extensions. Then we'll have them. And then in two years, three years, we'll have this crazy deep 10 to 12 guy group where I don't even know if all these guys are going to pay that I'm paying hundreds of million dollars for this year in tax and I don't care. Because yeah. I'm Steve Ballmer and I do weird things with my arms <laughs> when I'm celebrating. Um, it's not to
1: get too far in revisionist history but it's crazy <laughs> to think about the roster salary composition now compared to their finals run. Think about the finals run. Okay, Book is on what? It was the max already. Right? But Whatever it's Chris was too. It's Small Potatoes now. Um Jay Crowder mid level. Mid level. DeAndre
0: rookie, rookie scale. Rookie, number Mikkel, one pick,
1: but still rookie.
0: Rookie. Mikel, rookie. Cam Johnson rookie. Cam Johnson rookie. Campaign minimum. Just around the minimum. I think it was like two years, six million or something like that. that Dario was, that. was what? Like seven, mid-level. eight mil? Something around mid level, yeah. So Frank minimum. Like they could have spent money then on more better things
1: but anyway now just to fill out a okay we're going to go a playoff rotation eight deep 6 7 8 is going to be tough yeah like you have that mid level they have not spent the mid level still by the way which we we can bring up again as far as saving money right now but Bruce Brown John Wall <clears throat> That kind of thing is where I think when we get into this team and how similar it is because of the starters and Cam Johnson now is part of that. But after that, I don't know. And like, Shamit's making cash. Campaign was locked down at a pretty reasonable rate, yeah. Um, But still a lot more than minimums. And they got to produce. And then... The big situation is what's going to have to play better than the money they're making, basically. And again,
0: lack of wings. HoopsRumors.com put together a list of the... All the uses of the mid-level exception by all the teams, which is a crazy thing. I just Googled it randomly to hope I got Thank lucky, you. and I Oops. did get lucky. Uh, before he unfortunately got injured, Danilo Gallinari was assigning on the taxpayer mid-level exception. JaVale McGee and Jaden Hardy, uh, who I believe was a second-round pick for Dallas, are both used on that taxpayer mid-level exception. Golden State did a similar thing with Ryan Rollins and, and his deal, and then their other mid-level exception was Dante Hive. Dante Divincenzo, Lakers, Lonnie Walker, Clippers, Bradley Beal, the Bucks, Joe Ingles, and the only team that has a taxpayer mid-level exception that did not use it yet, besides the Suns. Wait, what did you say about Beal?
1: What?
0: Did I say Beal instead of John Wall? Oh yeah, you did. Wow. Like, what? Yeah, we're we're there, brother. Okay. It's <laughs> that type of episode. It's happening. <laughs> Do you know who the other only other team in the tax that didn't use it is? Who they are? Oh, no. Brooklyn? No. Did they not? Brooklyn did not. Huh. Uh, as of this uh, article, which is, again, from mid-July, but I'm pretty sure they didn't add anyone super-duper late. Uh, and then the Amy late— Markeith Morris? I don't know. Yeah, Lakers didn't even have to use it on Schroeder, by the way, because they used it on Lonnie Walker already. But uh, Lonnie Walker is is a dart throw for sure for the Lakers, but you look at even, like, Ingles I didn't mention. I didn't mention Dante. Javel is going to start at center for Dallas, and I think after the way he's played the last two to three years, he's earned that right to be a starter. Gallinari was a, a game changer for their outlook in terms of their scoring off the bench, which is something we've talked about at length with this team and is where, whether it's the photo of Book as a child and Daniil Gallinari is like a <laughs> meme or the actual theoretical thought of yes this guy's a zero on defense but man the offense would really help with him out there I don't think we talked about him much as a fit but again just that kind of resource they didn't use it so now they're in this position where to move on from cam johnson and the obvious of yes they should pay him yes he's worth a lot of money now how much of that again a lot for them to figure out in nine months including who their owner is moves into the undeniable Thought here, and you and I have that back and forth. That'll be up on the site. Either by the time you're listening to this or right about after you're listening to it. You wrote it and kind of said, look, like the Suns probably understand just as much as we do. That their roster needs to not only have a guy or two added, but a significant upgrade added to it. And it's just a matter of what materializes and what gets found. And I think we spoke with this level of... I, I had this level of certainty with Jay where... When the training camp stuff happened, I was like, yeah. like It just it just didn't feel like he was going to be back, whether it was the Suns moving him or it was Cam getting in the starting lineup and that causing a reason for Jay to want to not be here anymore. I just kind of thought the writing was on the wall there, and I thought the three mid-level guys, I thought there was no way they were going to start the season with all three of those guys on the team. We're just kind of sitting on our hands right now, waiting for, to see what the Suns make a move for. And a point, Kevin, that I made in terms of extension uh, expectations for this over the next calendar week. And then over the next six to eight weeks, I'll say something to understand is, and a lot of it is dumb, don't get me wrong, the Washington Wizards should not be looking at their roster right now and going, oh, baby, that sixth seed is ours. <laughs> we're playing, we're going to be a playoff team. At this point in the year, 80% of the teams, and probably more to be honest, are satisfied with the construction of their team. And they do not want to make a move right now, two weeks ago, a month ago, to alter the shape of their rotation that they spent all offseason crafting. What would have helped Kevin <laughs> is doing these types of trades in June when teams didn't have their rosters constructed yet. Yeah. And it was a lot more free flowing of a market. I guarantee that it was easier to do a trade then. What I can't guarantee is how much easier was it? Is it way, way easier? Like it feels, or is it just a little bit easier? I don't know. I don't know the dynamics at play there, but I will say that the timing is just bad now. So now I wrote about Harrison Barnes and Kyle Kuzma back in June But the Kings are are the play-in team. They are like a meme play-in team now where them making the play-in is a legitimate big deal for them. They are going to try and win, and who knows how long they try and win for, Kevin. They might try and win beyond the deadline. They might not even consider those types of moves at all this regular season. I mentioned the Wizards and Kyle Kuzma. They're another guy that I kind of mentioned, and I wrote, hey, if these guys are willing to take a six-man role on a contender and understand that they could close some nights as well, that's the type of top six, top seven upgrade in terms of... Looking for that offensive firepower and more specifically, just a a different skill set compared to Crowder's. Now, Kevin, is Harrison Barnes a pretty cushy fit for the Suns? Yes. Mm -hmm. Is Kyle Kuzma? No. Mm -hmm. But guess what? They got to try something. Yeah. They got to start to try things. I I do not think that they can have this level of patience waiting (laughs) for the near perfect fit or a superstar to fall in their lap. Kevin Durant almost did. It almost happened. I, I don't even know who else you even begin to speculate is like out there. We're talking about Shea Gilgis-Alexander a lot for some reason this offseason. <laughs> like, are they going to play three guards? I are, mean, yeah. It, but, but also how? So Mikel's going to play the four now and Mikel's going to play the four while defending yeah. the primary initiator again, which means Book is guarding Paul... He's guarding but Kawhi? I'll say
1: it, so... Part of what I wrote about and what stood out for me was Monty Williams basically, unprompted made the Peyton Manning on the Denver Broncos comparison when he was asked about Chris Paul and about how stars when they're aging they want to adapt to win, right? Yeah. And that Broncos team, if you remember, like was loaded. Peyton Manning is the smartest dude ever, but he would just throw like ten yard ducks and he would throw it, like, 20 seconds before his receiver was there, and, like, he's smart enough to anticipate that, whatever. And
0: then Seattle was like, we're going to put all the pressure in the world on you, and you're not going to be able to throw the little ducks anymore. We're going to make you throw the big ducks, and then uh, that game happened.
1: Wasn't it Broncos? Was it Broncos? I thought it was Cam Newton team. I don't know. Anyway... I remember the team. I don't remember how they went out. But the point is, Chris Paul... Yeah, check me on this. I He's, need to. You're, you're I probably can't be, right. I,
0: I sit here not remembering two ways. It can't happen, you know?
1: <laughs> but basically, Monty admitted, like, we have to treat Chris Paul differently now. And that's good from the standpoint that they're very self-aware. They lost
0: 43-8 in the Super Bowl to the Seattle Seahawks. Okay.
1: Yeah. That was ugly. Was that... Was the Panthers Super Bowl over someone else, or is
0: that a, just a different year? Someone else, different year. Okay. Well, nope. They won the Super Bowl in 2015 against the Panthers. Shout out Gary Kubiak. Okay.
1: Anyway, so <laughs> where was I? Chris Paul. Um, you do need a ball handler. We've said this a million times, but that was basically Monty admitting it, right? And they got to play differently and they got to take all this off the aging point
0: guard. It does not seem like the Mikkel Bridges, Cam Johnson on the ball more, give DeAndre more post-touches is just going to be a preseason wrinkle that they abandon quickly. I believe they are really going to do this and put Chris Paul in the corner a lot more. But also,
1: I believe if you're going to make a deep playoff run, you need guys. I'm not saying that is
0: the correct solution. I'm saying it's It's one of the ways to help, which is what you wrote about,
1: yeah. Anyway, that that's just to say, like, the Shea thing makes a lot of sense to me, and I don't care if Chris Paul is sitting on the bench, if that's what needs to happen. Like, you can push McKell to the four probably in tight end-of-game situations as teams go small anyway, but I just think that there's not a good avenue right now for any trades. Like, if you, Jake Fisher threw out that the Suns apparently have had at least discussions about KJ Martin, for example, with the Rockets. That's great. He is actually a very efficient, young wing, very young athlete. There's your athlete. We found him. If you can mold him in the Suns culture and make him a great basketball teammate, he fits, whatever. But uh, Rockets don't
0: want Jay Crowder. The Jazz don't want Jay Crowder. Hey, do you want Landry it while you're already giving time to Eric Gordon instead of your other young guards that you have 14 of? Yeah. So, that's another ownership thing, too. Do you just eat the
1: money on Jay Crowder if it's like, hey, we'll give you a first and Jay Crowder's contract to get a player who can play? I had to think about that for a half second the other day. Like, is he going to get bought out? And then the team buys him out, and he has a, like, someone's ready to sign him on a multi-year
0: deal or something. Yeah, that can't happen, obviously. At the bare minimum, they need to get picks for him, but it's... Yeah,
1: so so just all this is super complex. They've kind of tanked the stock as all those anonymous execs told Jake Fisher it's like why don't you just want Jake Crowder how bad is he then why do we want Jake Crowder um i don't know it's kind of a mess and there's not an obvious fix but i'm as an optimist and knowing just how suddenly things happen in this league um you don't know the next even six man 15-point scorer who's going to be mad
0: and want to trade or his team doesn't have a role for him. You know the scene in a children's movie, whether animated or real? What, what's the... What, animated or... or uh, live action. Live action. You know the scene <laughs> in a children's movie when it's animated or... live. I'm going to speak like we're editing that out and we're not. You know that scene... <laughs> in a children's movie whether it's animated or live action where the kid's room is a mess he's been he or she has been home all weekend alone and then they hear the garage door open they're like oh no i gotta clean everything so then they clean everything all of a sudden and then there's that really funny part where they're leaning up against the closet door because the closet door wouldn't even jam shut and the mom is like hey honey how was the weekend and things are slipping out of the little closet door and they're trying to jam it and be like everything's fine every i clean my room and then it falls there's on them. nothing to see here everything's yeah. fine to close on this whole part of the discussion you and i both agree that the sky is not falling but it just doesn't help that there are indicators <laughs> that the sky is falling. It just doesn't help anyone. And I refuse. I you know how I am. I'm. I rarely allow myself to be put in the situation of others when we're talking about this kind of thing, and kind of look at it from their perspective, because I've never been in an NBA locker, never been on a coaching staff, front office, whatever. I've never been in a trade negotiation, a contract, whatever. I refuse to believe that this has zero effect on the basketball team. Absolutely zero. All oh, yeah. of these things in the last six months, game seven, the ownership thing, the eight thing, the Kevin Durant thing, the Jay Crowder thing. Hey, you know what would be great Kevin? If they didn't have a cam Johnson thing in a week, they should just sign him. <laughs> I refuse to believe there's zero effect. Now. Is it like three to 5% effect? I think it's more around there. Like single digits. Maybe we're humming towards 10 or 15, but it's not at the nuclear levels where, a lot of people I know Bill Simmons outraged a lot of Suns fans surprise surprise when they did their over-unders and he was on the I kind of think this could be a disaster this year I'm not completely downplaying the very small chance that I have, but I'm saying it's a very very small chance like very very small and some people are treating it as a lot bigger like it is like Simmons was I'm not there but like you still just are rapidly cleaning the room before Bezos comes but swings <laughs> by or whatever you know what I mean I, I don't know how to compare daddy it. Bezos oh man <laughs> Did you, I made that gas joke, and now gas is five dollars again. Like, can can we get our Amazon shuttles to the games, please?
1: You know what's crazy about all this is there are just so many elements <laughs> that are not even like server involved, money involved, contracts involved. It's like if they start losing, like, will you feel in this like how we talk about this team compared to even last year and the year before um the expectations and the pressure is just building and even this team has gotten off to slow starts in seasons before under monty but i feel like if they're 510 games in like it's going to be completely different when you are interviewing them in the locker room and there're going to be questions not just like hey you guys aren't playing great defense when you did last year it's going to be hey does Jay not being here and having all this looming stuff matter? And it's going to be about this stuff. It's not going to be about basketball. And I don't know if that's right or wrong, but it's just how this goes. And like you said, that stuff does matter in the locker room. So that's why it has to be asked that way that's
0: a that's a really good point is it going to be more about basketball or is it going to be about more about
1: the stuff and, this year and like fixing it's not easy because like all this is tied together where it's like okay well okay you have your draft picks great but you could trade one and get rid of jay crowder and maybe get something back make it more likely to trade jay, jay crowder and move on but then that's attached to what if kevin durant does want wait, to wait till you hear that
0: January fifteenth, January (laughs) fifteenth, January fifteenth, January fifteenth, January fifteenth, January fifteenth. Even if it's like an Eric Gordon thing down
1: the road, if it's like you give up a first to get a a rotation player, like let's just say KJ Martin to dump Jay Crowder, or to get Jordan Clarkson, if you're being super optimistic somehow. But then another better player comes down the line, and you don't have that full assortment of picks. Yeah. Like. They're just in this really tight spot. They got to thread the needle. Um, and then you say the the most cliche thing about sports, though. Wh- what is it? Um, if you succeed and are ahead in the score of all of the basketball games you play, then
0: everything's good. Winning solves all, cures everything, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to do do a bit there and not say the cliché. Oh, oh, I thought you were actually saying the cliché. We're okay with (laughs) clichés here. They're going to win 50-plus games at least, like probably more in my opinion. Uh, Yeah, we should have mentioned this up front, but Dwayne Rankin spoke with DeAndre in a one-on-one, and he said that he and Monty are talking, and I think he said everything is back to normal, which indicates that things were not normal before <laughs> this is the whole point of what we've been talking about for the last six I almost cursed all right the preseason ended and Kevin I enjoyed myself four games there were two guys who really stood out and I wrote about them last night the loss to the Kings they had 10 available guys Jock Landale who if you and I did it like a depth chart episode or whatever after the a depth chart episode after the season ended or after the off season was kind of over and outlined everything we would have said Jock Landale is the third string center I think we both would have said that fourth even the fourth uh, he is the backup center right now by all indications we'll see when Dario's back and we're 10 15 games of the year if Landale's uh, if Landale's like play is up and down I-, I don't really know but it seems like he's the backup center right now really just seems like he's earned that spot and you can just see why offensively, he is pretty much the way that I've been thinking about him now and what I've landed on the last week is that he's in the mold of Dario and Frank, but it's more balanced with the sliders, not kind of all over the place. Like with Dario, you're getting a lot of playmaking and just smart, high IQ play with Frank. You're getting shooting and a little bit of on ball equity with like the smart stuff again. With Landale, it's all of that stuff, but he's more of just a traditional big man, meaning that he's very physical. He crashes the glass like a maniac. He is always moving on the court. He just never stops moving. Has some good touch around the rim, and he's just... its I know this is not steep competition. Monty joked when I said Dario looked more athletic for Croatian. He's like, Dario, athleticism? <laughs> but Landale is, like a, is a good athlete. He's more athletic than those guys. He's quicker than you would think. And something he talked about after shootaround on Wednesday was that he really prided himself on working on his athleticism to get a bit more mobile this year. And I think the stat that I had was he's had like five steals and six blocks in the preseason after 10 and 14 of those after a whole year with the Spurs last year. It just seems like he's getting to spots quicker defensively. And then he credited in and- conversations with Andrew Bogut, a fellow Aussie who was a heck of a defender back in his day. I know some people might roll their eye at Andrew Bogut, but like on the Bucks, he was a great player. And then on some of those Warriors teams, he was all defensive teams. For what he was, yeah. All defensive second team in 2015. He led the league in blocks in 2011.
1: He do had you a remember
0: lot of... that, or do you just look it up? I looked it up last night. Okay. Yeah, not not big on the Andrew Bogut uh, Rolodex over here, <laughs> unfortunately. Lockdale. Uh, Lockdale. <laughs> here we go. We're 32 minutes in focus, Kev. We're almost there. Landale. Had lots of conversations with Bogut, and it sounded like the biggest challenge is, okay, FIBA, court's smaller, players worse. Yeah. (laughs) Like, he didn't say that part. But the players are worse, which means things move a little bit slower, and it's just a lot more of all five guys. And NBA, more space, bigger court, much better players, two-on-two. You are covering the ball screen that ball handler is trying to move you in a certain spot. He's trying to prevent you from going there. You're trying to prevent him from going there. It's just an entirely different dynamic as a defensive big. And he talked about how much that difference was a, a challenge to adapt to in his rookie year. And he feels a lot better for it. He he made fun of himself and said, like, you guys won't believe this. But I was like a defensive player of the year candidate for my year in Australia when he, by the way, was like first all, all first league or whatever. He won the MVP in the postseason. Like he was a great player there. And he had real chops defensively there, too. And you see it here. And all of it just kind of adds up to, for lack of a better term, like lunch pail guy. Like He's just going to go out there and do his job, clock in, clock out. And you're going to get what you're going to get. Some nights, it's going to be crazy. Like, he's going to have 17 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals, 4 blocks. Some nights, it's going to be 8 and 4 with maybe a block. And I think the consistency is really going to be there. The one thing I'll say is the two guys we're going to discuss Landale, he's a second year player. Dwayne Washington Jr. is 22. I just kind of need to say these things out loud because it's been a while since we've talked about young players on the Suns and these two guys are young, so that's the one thing to keep in mind with them, but all the tools for the consistency in terms of Landale are there and more and uh, on the whole Dario Frank thing, he can pop, he can shoot. He said it in the NBL, he was running around on pin downs. So that kind of explains to you in terms of the mobility and comfort level and I asked him hey it probably feels good that Monty draws up sets for you as a shooter right and he was like I was just telling someone this the other day like the confidence you get when your coach draws up a play for you like that seems like he's going to be a good fit now I think where I stop the hype train is again when the playoffs come around I, I don't know if he's a he's a, a where he's at on the Bismack Biombo, JaVale McGee Dario Sarge Frank Kaminsky Rating of how much do they hold up in the postseason? I'm not sure. Zubach is I a don't. guy where you throw out there and it's like, you
1: can you can hunt 20 minutes per game for guys who have serious like lateral problems, even if they're smart type guys. So yeah. uh, that's where it's like, <laughs> I think from an offensive perspective, I just don't think that bench shoots well enough. And that's where if he can be like 35%, that'd be awesome. Because Dario being 35%, like you've said in the past, is awesome. And that's... This offense just functions so much differently and maybe better when the center can shoot. And that's where it's like, I want DA to shoot more. I don't even care if he doesn't even make any, but he should try. Um, So those are things where I have questions there, but... Um, he makes a lot of sense. And man, I, I just don't know the Dario dynamic, I guess, too, with him, because if they want to go traditional, I guess it's fine. And Dario plays some four, and that's maybe, maybe they told him, like, go slim down because he looks really good, fit, moving well. Um, but the whole point about him was he was a great center and had one of the best units. Um, bench units in the NBA that year.
0: If they play bigger teams, it might even be Land at the four. There's been there's been Shatter. We saw it too uh, mm-hmm. against Denver. He's played that before. We'll see. I'm not sure. But I think the main thing to realize is the we talked about this that given the years that Payne and Shamit had, outside of Dario who I think is like a certified NBA rotation player, there were reasons to Have questions about just everyone else on the bench if they are an NBA rotation player on a championship caliber team, which again, you have to remember we're dealing with those expectations. If I see one more time someone talking about Jalen Smith starting on the Pacers and that mattering for some reason, (laughs) my head's going to explode. The Pacers suck. They're getting a really good look (laughs) at their guy. They traded something for him. Why not keep him around and get a look at him? The Suns should not have extended him because he was very bad at basketball or he was not good at all. Him putting up numbers on the Pacers does not matter. He's more
1: expensive than Bismack.
0: Yes. Do you know who's a better basketball player? Bismack. Okay. All right. <laughs> Landale's good. I think that he's got a chance to be in that NBA rotation player group. I'm not going to I'm not going to put him there in concrete, but as you and I optimistically ended the episode last week on, there's a chance this team's 10-11 deep. There's a chance. Now it would ha- require a very good, you talk best case worst case scenario. It's in like the 90-95th percentile for sure. Um I think Damian Lee is there too. I do. I think he's an NBA rotation player on a good team. Now, is he more 10th man than 6th man? Yes, but that's that counts. Some Nader slashing. Some Kelly Nader, Oubre. Some
1: Nader nah. I do everything the coach asked me to. I'm yeah. going to complain more about this roster, although I'm not. Um, not only do the Sun, like even just ball handler, you need a ball handler. They didn't have slashers. And if you remember in the finals run, it was like, oh, Nader replaced Kelly Oubre, who was like a great slasher. They don't have those types of guys. Like Cam Johnson can maybe get better at it. Mikel's kind of more I don't know if you call him this I guess you can call him a slasher. More so he looked good in the preseason doing that. But anyway, they need more this of that. This is why
0: I really liked Boyan. I uh, we talk about the shooting and how great of a shooter he is, but he gets to the line, he's aggressive, he attacks like a Yeah. I, I really liked that. So um,
1: I, I guess what I'm trying to say is giving them a shot to actually be deeper than we think is, all right, if if you look at the backup guards of guys who haven't reached their, were not up to their standard last year, Shamit, Campaign, mm-hmm. Dwayne Washington. We'll talk about him in a sec. Um, You at least have options for guys who can be like, oh, you're suddenly scoring 15 points per game off the bench. And then suddenly this looks a lot better and we stop complaining about it. Yeah. So there are options there. But then it that.
0: also stops twofold. It also stops in terms of the options you see for 15 points per game guy. Or not 15 points per game guy, but the guy who can really go off. Because like, you just need those nights. That's the thing. Like yeah. You need someone off the bench who's going to score a dozen 15 but points. reminder, 15 points a night is different
1: compared to 15 points a night when it's last year's Chris Paul to what we think might happen to this year's Chris Paul. Like, it needs to be more like 18
0: We won't get into it, but I'll plug it really quickly. I wrote a really in-depth thing on campaign, and I came away more optimistic after I looked at a lot of the numbers. In the dozen games he started for Chris Paul last year, his assist-to-turnover ratio is 4.15, which is tremendous. Yeah. And I think that is a very good indicator just in terms of, again, remember, he's as a starter. Okay, that's the guys he's in with because he comes in at the six-minute mark before everyone else. His net rating... With Mikel, DeAndre, and Devin was over 20, which is just your shellacking teams. And then this surprised me a lot, Kevin. His net rating with McGee, Shamit, and Johnson, who were the three other reserves. We were talking about that team. I was like, there's no one that's got nine like this. They're mm-hmm. the deepest team in the league from the top nine. I did a whole thing that aged horribly wrong. <laughs> the net rating was 2, 2.0, which Monty talks about maintaining. That's maintaining. The guys are coming back in and the lead is there for the most part now the eye test again did not be, believe us uh, it did not do us well for for Payne or for that group at all and and i'm I'm sticking with that for sure, but some of his numbers are there. He's talked about working on the mid range a lot this year. he needs to start doing that more. He's been a good enough shooter from a touch perspective from everything we've seen over the last two years to take more mid range jumpers just like we want to see Mikel bridges take more mid range jumpers. And he is a system guy. He's been around for four years. I, I believe he will bounce back. Now, will he bounce back all the way to his form from the finals year? That's not what I was trying to say. But I'm not. I do, do not think he will be as bad as he was Did, last year. Am I making this up out of my head that doesn't
1: work, or was there a conversation about how him working with like a rim rolling <laughs> McGee is yes. very different than when it was the Dario group? So. Obviously, if Dario's not there, then that's a question. But if it really was like... Landale's going to be popping anyway, so it's going to be the same thing. If more yep. of a popper, then maybe he looks a lot better. Um, I don't know. But that's something to think about. And there, there are a lot of dynamics there where it's just maybe that's not his game. Maybe it's not his comfort zone. But something to think about if he suddenly
0: looks like old campaign. We should mention Dwayne Washington Jr. before we go, who has taken the Aaron Holiday, um My brain can't go back far enough. What I've learned about, co- I've learned a lot about covering a basketball team. What I've learned is that there's always one player that the fan base wants to see check into every single game. And there is one player <laughs> they never want to see check into a game. It seems like it is going to be Dwayne Washington Jr. for the former and Landry Shamit for the latter. We'll mm. see. But that was the Alfred Payton Aaron Holiday thing last year. Many examples across many different Suns teams. I'm sure you guys are already thinking of names that me and Kevin are not capable of because of our mental fatigue. uh, Jake Jake Voskull started. Uh, Pat Burke, Lou Amundsen. Are we going down that road? Let's not go down that road. Uh, The reason why people like Dwayne Washington, Kevin, is because he can score. And this team needs guys who can score. Now, a problem for him in Indiana was that when he was doing a lot of more of the on-ball stuff and creating offense for himself, he just wasn't knocking down his twos enough. He shot, I believe, 40% from the field, but a lot of that had to do with the fact that he took more threes than twos. If you shoot threes at 38%, hey, that's pretty good. And then you think about taking it as half your shots, well, now you're shooting 40% from the three, unless you're a guy who shoots 47, 48, 50 from the field. You you know what I mean? Something like that specifically. So he's got to get the twos up a little bit. But here's the crazy thing, Kevin. I didn't watch much of him on the Pacers tape, but from what I saw, he wasn't the primary on-ball point guard guy. And that is indeed true. He told us after the game, this is my first week playing point guard in the NBA. So for him to show the passing chops that he did, and I know people are going to look at the box score, they didn't watch the game, or they watched the game and just saw 11 turnovers and just couldn't get past it. He played 39 minutes, he was exhausted, and he was running an NBA offense against an NBA defense. Sacramento played all of its key guys. They were two out, but they played all their key guys for three quarters, and he got to see how that was, and you know what, Kevin? He can pass. He is 22 years old. He is a very good shooter right now. I am not willing to even... Um, concede anything on that. He is a second-year player who hasn't played a ton. He played on a bad Pacers team last year, and that's all we've seen of him. But the way that he shoots, particularly off the bounce, he's a very good shooter. He showed it at Ohio State for three years. The scoring chops were something that were like, okay, like he can score, but he's at the very least a tough shot maker without a doubt, and he's fearless, as Monty said. But then when you sprinkle in the fact that hey, he can make a couple of passes, he's got a very good rhythm. To again, getting sped up is a huge problem for so many guys when they're on the ball early in their career. He's the opposite, where maybe he plays too slow, but it that's fine because playing slow is better than playing fast and that type of thing. When you're reading the defenses, he's got pocket passes down. There are reasons to be optimistic about him. And, and what the reason, the thing that I ended the whole section on last night in my recap was there's a rotation caliber NBA point guard in there, just like Landry Shamit. This is a 0.01% chance, Kevin, but he could be six man of the year this year. I just look at the way that he goes out there. It's a 0.01% chance, just to be clear. But from a tools perspective and everything in front of him, everything that he can do on a basketball court, it's there. And sometimes it's just not there with guys. It's not. And it's there with this kid. He can really play. Mm -hmm. And if he can just, if they can develop him over the next year, and maybe he improves enough substantially to the point where he can be in the rotation in the second half of the season. And maybe even if they don't have the trade or trades done, that he can be a source of offense off the bench. Defense, before I kick it to you, he tries really hard. He has long arms and he's willing and attentive, which is all the matters for a young guy. He's not that bad for what his age and his experience level. And he's probably going to get a whole lot better pretty quickly here and on this team. The way this team defends so that is my ramble of saying hey keep an eye on this kid this year he is not just a two-way write-off no offense to Jared Harper but when Jared Harper signed here we never really thought he was gonna see the court." Tyshawn Alexander Tyshawn Alexander we were like okay there are things to like in his game we're watching him in summer league but Dwayne Washington jr. might play this year we, we need to mention him before we sign off on the preseason I said when they
1: signed him not knowing much about him you go look just look at his numbers he, it wasn't like he didn't play very much or he... 10 a game, right? Just like 20. Oh, 10 points and like 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was also the thing that stands out when you say, okay, well, he averaged a lot of points per game for a rookie. Um, he played only 20 minutes. And the efficiency numbers for being a not-very-heralded rookie guy on a bad team, especially where things like you go look at Torrey Craig's numbers on that team, for example, um, he was afforded the opportunity to take a lot of shots that he probably shouldn't take on the Suns, Um, just because it's like, Hey, we need to go get buckets, whatever. Dwayne Washington was good and efficient and got his buckets. And I don't need to look at very much film to be like, well, if he did that in that amount of time for a bad team, um, there has to be some level of just natural feel for the game there. Like, he's not, I think, sped up is what you used. Like, you don't get sped up if you're shooting that and you're a rookie. So that was huge, like, huh, interesting.
0: Um, so the I'm the same not... point we made about Tyshawn. Like, he gets to, he mentioned it after the game. He gets to learn from Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Yeah. And Monty Williams,
1: they can wear where are their the shades, the Detroit shades. <sighs> Why <laughs> do you keep asking these things that you know? Because I don't can't know either. Right All right, whatever, man. Well, he he and Book can wear their cool sunglasses from Detroit and, and talk ball, and he can get better, but he has a great foundation already. I'll end there. No questions for you.
0: I tried to Google it, and I'm not confident in the re- in the <laughs> return. All right, buddy. Do you want to come back next week and talk about the Mavericks and dive into the first three games? I think that'll be that'll be fun. Let's present some
1: memes verbally. There's going to be some memes during the first game. Suns fans, prepare yourself. As a matter of fact, speaking of expectations, be prepared for memes against the Suns all year long and don't let it bother you because it's going to come. Y'all are going to get dunked on a yeah. lot. And It could be for a good reason. It could be for a bad reason. But there's Luca staring at book is going to just be all over your timeline. I'm be, just
0: preparing you. Be strong, friends. Uh, Dallas, Portland, Clippers next week. Golden State, New Orleans, Houston the week after, and then Minnesota, Portland, Portland. So those two opening stretches. We'll talk. I would like to imagine it in my head as uh, we're definitely going to podcast for the Dallas game. So we'll preview those three games. Kind of look at those three teams because all three are in the West. Uh, And then we'll do the same for the next week as Golden State, New Orleans, Houston. We'll have some basketball to look back on from Golden State, New Orleans, and Houston. Can the basketball gods just leave Zion Williamson alone for a couple of weeks? That's all I'm asking. He's got an ankle thing now. Oh, my gosh. I just want to watch the really large man move fast on the basketball court again. Please. Yeah. We'll be back next week, everyone. See ya.